I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Philip Boer, welcome. Uh, First of all, where do I find you right now? I am in Malta in the studio where I usually record called Temple Studios. Um, Pretty cool, sunny outside, and um, hanging out here a bit, maybe write a song, stuff like that. Where is home? Um... Usually in Germany, in Dortmund, it's, uh, you know, the team, Borussia Dortmund, from football maybe, that's my hometown, still have a flat in London, and I still hang a lot, uh, also um, a lot here in Malta. So where do you, where is your creative home, do you think? Is it, you know, I mean, I don't know what you need for your creative home, maybe people, pain, dysfunction, like many artists, but is there a place where you consider... Um, that you really have a creative home, or is it just anywhere that you are? Um, I write my first, always come up my lyrics, and my lyrics, I um, discover them anywhere, you know, can be on a plane, can be anywhere on a train, can be, I, I for example, I write songs, I sit in the middle of, the Hague, you know, in, in Holland, and and I sit um, opposite the, the Apple shop, you know, and I observe the people who go on Apple shops, and I I see how they behave and come out, and that's a song, you know what I mean? Stuff you've had, like that. You, you, you know, you mentioned you're in Malta, that you've got this, uh, you've still got a house in, in London, and your home's still in Dortmund. A flat, a flat. Okay, a flat in London. No one can afford a house in London. <laughs> <Got a flat laughs> London. Uh, I can't afford anything there now. Um, what makes a home the place that's no longer the place you want to be? Because you've you've moved around a lot, and I just wondered: is is there a set of circumstances that come up that make you want to move? Because it feels like you know having three homes in a sense is means that you're always moving around. 
Um, my home is in, in uh, where I was born in Dortmund, really. Um, since the COVID situation, I wasn't a lot in London. And I wasn't here a lot sin in Malta since uh, only since 2021 20, or 22. I came back to Malta and I wasn't here for a few years as well. So I guess my home kind of what you maybe mean is a kind of a family or something like that. That kind of stuff is in Dortmund in Germany. Uh, so let's get on to this um, Jubilee release, Jubileans edition of Boafenia. Um, tell me, first of all, what you are exactly releasing, because it's it's quite a package. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. It's like a double CD uh, with that original Boa, Boafinia remastered, plus on the other on the other, other vinyl is there's uh, you know ten new songs. Then there's a lot of old going through tapes and stuff, and and uh, ten inch force CD package with a ten inch vinyl and a lot of archive material that we found and one other new song and stuff like that and then there's uh yeah what did i say double cd double vinyl and that special box big box yeah called i think they call it yearbook nowadays whatever that means yeah and also a book of photos and some additional sort yeah. of extras within it that, that you've got why was it important now to release that uh considering it's sort of you know boafenia itself i'm not talking about the newly discovered and remastered tracks but boafenia itself was released 30 years ago um so why was it important to do that right now for you good question <laughs> um i think it's it was our most successful album and uh, I don't know. It's just nice, you know. It's like I want to celebrate it, and it wasn't out. It wasn't available on on any format, really. So we, I'm proud that it's that it's out. I want to celebrate it, you know, and with the fans and stuff like that. I mean, you said you're going through uh, old masters. I think it was old master tapes, and like finding finding material i'm i'm a writer of scripts today and when i write things they come from you know a lot of pain that's inside and it's almost like reworking that pain and if i read something that i've written a few years ago i completely see that differently and i see myself um differently so with this release um how has that changed your the view of yourself of how you were back then and how the music was back then. Uh, I agree to what you said anyway, that you are uh, um, observing your own work from the past, from a, from a, from a totally new changed perspective. You know, you don't sometimes even, you, you sometimes even think probably, oh, was that me? You know what I mean? And different personalities. Um, uh, I I don't feel that with my work. It's like what I what I feel is is the times was the times were were uh, very dif different to compared to um, 
yeah, it's compared to 2023, they were really different. Yeah. So what was different about um, them? Uh, I split from the two people from the band in 1992. And then I, I discovered a book called V by my favorite author called Thomas Pynchon, um, an American author, uh, a writer. And it's um, the, the the story leads the story needs uh, leads sorry the story leads to Malta to the island of Malta, and I I read it I bought a ticket for the plane and ended up in Malta and I kind of find it as weird as Thomas Pynchon described it, had described it. So I was here feeling a bit weird, feeling a bit what I like, a par parallel world. Um, and I asked people, is there a studio here? You know, I went to a record shop, which is now the oldest record shop in the, in the world, called D'Amato in, in the city of Valletta. And I, I, um, I met met someone there who worked there, and his name was Woody. And I asked Woody, "Can I work here as his studio?" and and he recognized me kind of, and he led me to Temple Studios, which was then a lot smaller. Now it's 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 big, you know, it's really big. That was the start, and I felt very I felt very free, and the times were to me totally different. Why? Because I guess I could me and my mates who hung out here, we were we could do everything we wanted. Nowadays you cannot do that. There was a time when you went out and stuff like that in the night. There was total freedom. You know, and we did a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that was idiotic or off, you know, and good material to write. But that material, the weird material wasn't on, wasn't on Boafinia. Boafinia is a light, more light, very free bohemian record. Yeah. While um, the weird stuff that we was going on for like two or three years, I, I kind of relived Thomas Pynchon stuff, you know, like, um, and Valletta and also and whatever and that lyrics I, I, I described and when I had a metal band I had the metal band for two years which was called Voodoo Cult and the lyrics were all a bit maybe from my point of view a bit silly you know but really what they were, were they, 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 they were totally true everything that I described in these songs you you would believe it's totally invented but it wasn't it was all everything in there was true maybe slightly exaggerated Sorry. so um with boafenia back then then why weren't the weird songs taken for that album was it was it down to the record company because you've always been known as someone who is really you know in total creative control of your work 
So I just wondered what the reason was that they were put to the side. Yeah, because I probably left out some some stuff. Like uh, Boafinia was written in 1992 and mainly totally on my own in London. Uh, they were all demoed in London. Uh, that, that's why I, when I got the flat, I guess. I, guess. Um, I was, for example, in Roundhouse Studio and totally on my own with nothing really and maybe one or two musicians that I got from there. That was it was this guy called Gary Braun, who was really nice to me, gave me gave me the studio for a real nice price. And that's that's where where I think I wrote more most of the material and then took it maybe then came Malta, you know. So but that's works well, exciting times, you know, cool. Really cool. So what do you like about Temple Studios? Because I know that Rammstein have recorded there, that Susie and the Banshees and a, and a whole horde of others. Um, is that in, is that important at all? That is there something, you know, that a lot of people always talk about there's an atmosphere or there's some way of, you know, there's a sort of nice way of working or something like that. But what is it about Temple Studios that sort of appeals to you and has allowed you this sort of creativity? Uh, yeah, the, the studio owner is a very, very good friend of mine, and he is also co-composer because he's he's very good in everything. He's a good engineer and also a friend, and the, and a lot of people meet here, you know, also like painters or whatever, you know. It's like like it's like a can you say that melting point? You know, I mean, it's now it's a meeting point, whatever. A melting it's, pot. It's yeah. pot, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 a free place. You know, it's like it's very well equipped as well. And I like to write with David, you know, because I'm not the mega mega cool good trained musician. I'm more like I can play everything a bit, you know. But I need a good good musicians around me. I was very influenced when I was young by people like Japan or Roxy Music, yeah, like these people who who did rock music or whatever, but not really. Also, they they were using stuff like an oboe, you know, which was totally un, unused in that time. So I put the oboe in my, I guess, most famous song called called uh, Container Love, you know, and just. Whatever, so I hang out here, and but I get also get help from David, the studio owner, and other people who, you know, who come here from everywhere, you know, and then they're there, and then I, I ask them, oh, can you play a bit of guitar for me? And they say, yeah, sure, and then I tell them, this is good, and this is not good, you know, and um, I'm more like a director and. Um, yeah, I learned that and learn, and I'm a good producer as well now and stuff. You mentioned um, Japan and Roxy music. Uh, when I was a teenager, when I was 13, it was in 72, and Bowie uh, was, uh, yeah, of, of course, course. <laughs> a massive idol. But um, yeah. But Bowie represented, for me, it represented something additionally in terms of, I mean, I loved his music, 
And also I love the fact that he brought so many different influences from outside, which is, you know, also what you do, the books and movies and other things that, that inspire you. Um, but the other thing for Bowie, as a gay teenager back then, is he provided a world where I felt I belonged and could be safe. So yeah. what artists represented for you a world where you felt you belonged? David Bowie is obviously a major role model, always been, and will always be, of course. I would say the number one. And also I like then uh, this kind of post, post-punk post stuff, like XTC, like the bit arty, wire, you know, XTC, Wire, Japan rock, uh, early especially, Brian Eno influenced. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, you know, and... Those were my influences. But yeah. did you did and you a bit of that, Clash? I always loved Clash. Did you have that sense, like I did, that I didn't really belong, or I felt I didn't belong at that time? I'm not sure if I feel I belong a lot of the time, but I felt like I didn't belong back then at all. And Bowie was the was the sort of thing where I could belong. Were you someone when you were young that you felt you didn't belong in the environment that you were in, and you wanted to be somewhere else? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was. My nature really is shy, you know. As I'm, I'm not an entertainer. I'm, I was always surprised that I was a, a bit successful, you know. And the personality. You see, David Bowie just had different personalities, and he was very open to absolutely everything. You know, that's that opened the doors for a lot of people, I guess, for a lot of. Um, insecure people who who were maybe a bit harassed or did feel a bit harassed by him, uh, you know, everything, you know, a society, whatever. Do you feel, I mean, you have a, a, an incredibly loyal following. Do you feel that your fans also see that in you? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And that's why they're, you know, that's why they're so close to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's weird. It's, uh, I, I cannot understand that side, to be honest. There was like a loyal fan here a couple of days ago and and David let, David let them in into the studio and and there was a tape of an old tape of Philip Bourne, the Voodoo Club. And she said, Oh, can I touch it? Can I touch it? You know, and I'm, when David told me the story, I said, mm, 
yeah, they're a bit weird, you know. It's like, but <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I think it's. The but I know I love them. They are loyal, and they. I can't believe it that are still doing music, and still even can survive from it in these times. I'm totally astonished. But thanks to that loyalty, for sure. Sorry to interrupt. What process has there been from finding these, you know, slightly weirder tracks and then bringing them up to um, whatever you, you know, you've wanted to do with them to, to be able to put them on this album? What was the process? Uh, you mean the, the Boafinia or the new songs? The new songs or that are on the white yeah. They were somehow con connected to Boafinia. There, there came, uh, the record company came up a few years ago and said, Boafinia is going to be 30. And then we were going through the tapes here. And some we have some Boafinia tapes here as well, because they got, they're mine now. And then we discovered stuff, you know, that wasn't, wasn't finished. It was kind of refused and we discovered the the voice some voice and of the uh, of my original singer Pia and then we turned them into two brand new songs you know really we wrote co-wrote them in the ghost or spirit sorry of Boafinia and yeah from that point on David and me felt the magic and we wrote another like I think nine songs also in that spirit of Boafinia but then we gave it to um, a mixer who is very much up to date how can I say now yeah very 20, 2023 to Toby from Berlin and also Robin the master there really have the sound of of nowadays without selling out, you know what I mean? As, well, that's it, yeah. You mentioned Tony Visconti, um, and back then, Craig Leon, E-Rock, and yourself produced uh, on Boafinia. How did you look back and see what, what had been done back then in terms of the, the quality and the people that we worked with and what they brought to the music? Um, Craig Leon obviously was not only doing Blondie, but he, he was also working on uh, Talking Heads. That's another influence of mine. And and Nigel Walker was on that. I don't know. And Tony obviously had that Bowie connection and also did our biggest, whatever it's called, hit. You know what I mean? That's a joke. But song. And... Then I met him again, met him again. We went with that material. We went to New York and he had a studio. Or he still has it as far as I know. And then we worked. That was the second working well, level of Boafinia. He played a lot. If you listen to a song, to that song called Love on Sale, that's half of it is played by Tony Visconti. That's the bass, the guitars, the vocals behind me, the, the harmonies everything and he also that's funny he also can could imitate david boy's david boy's vocals a hundred percent that's um 
there's a song where he did it, and I don't know if it's it's somewhere on the mixes or even on the original song. It's it has a silly title um, called Master of Demona. I wouldn't really <laughs> write that nowadays. Anyway, um, there's a part in the middle somewhere where where he purposely proved me that he can sing like David Bowie. If you um, if you listen to it carefully, you can see it. You can hear it 100%. You think David Boyce in the room. I, I interviewed Visconti a few years ago, and he told me this story about Bowie when they were, were living in the same house in South London. Um, and Bowie would walk over to the fridge in sort of mime style because he was practicing and then get a bottle of milk out and pour the tea. And it was like the whole time <laughs> he was... He was learning and changing and developing, which I found really fascinating. Is that something, are you someone that really always pulls in influences and gets something out of any situation? Uh, definitely, yes, but I don't have the, David Bowie uh, was, I mean, I don't want to compare at all, you know. David Bowie was head, head of a bit more of an entertainment, entertainer, uh, in him, in himself, in his personality, he was playing with it. He and David Bowie had that one advantage that um, is he does what he wants, you know. He 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 does he did absolutely what he wanted to do always, and that's a quality that an artist needs if he's good you know he's he's the raw model of i'm i'm doing what i want and if you don't like it then the record company fires me i don't give a damn you know what i mean that's what i like that's what i always liked say no to them you know record companies come here like when rammstein was here i've heard that rammstein almost gave up after the a and r man who was also mine the was here giving a, giving them the shit, and then the then the A and R man, the pro, product manager left, and they were three days they couldn't work anymore because they were so uh, you know devastated. You know what I mean? Record companies back then they could be evil, you know, and I always said I always said no to them. You know, uh, that's the art of saying no is cool. Um, that's what I like. So I always got fired from the record companies. I had them all, and they've all fired me. And uh, like Mark E. Smith with a fall or whatever, you know what I mean? You do one record, then because you insulted them or something, which I always like to do also. And they kick you out, you know. You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. You mentioned two tracks uh, that are on uh, Boafenia. And um, one guy that I know called Larry Flick, who was uh, the head journalist at Billboard for many, many years, he has a theory that the second track on an album is the track that the record company will want to release. And the seventh track on the album is the track that the artist loves most. And weirdly, <laughs> you just mentioned both of them. So Love on Sale was the second track and Master of Demona 
which you said was, uh, uh, or Tony Visconti was, you know, prominently uh, in, involved in that. Um, would you say yeah. that Love, Love on Sale was was the track that the, the record company definitely wanted to release and Massive Demona was the track that you were into? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, of course. Even with David Bowie, you know, it's if you a fan if you're a fan of a good artist and you're a fan forever it's not necessarily the, the singles that are the best about an artist you know what i mean it's the yeah what you're saying track number 7 or track number 11 or whatever you know that's the most interesting ones who live even longer you know but then yeah or singles yeah like, but I don't reason, know why, what a single is nowadays. Got no idea. But the reason I mention that it's symbolic of the of a battle with the, with the record company. That that was it. That the record company will want one thing, and the artist may want another. But the record company sort of put it a little bit back into obscurity, and and today is very different. So that's that was uh, my real point. Have have you mellowed since thirty years ago in any way? Uh, and a lot of, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a bit nicer nowadays, but yeah, I'm mild, yeah, sometimes. And I'm getting less angry, which is good, I think. What do you feel you were angry what? at? Oh, you want to become political? Yeah, <laughs> it's your... <laughs> Your interview, not, not mine. I, yeah, I know, but I don't want to go into into like um, war and stuff like that. If I feel something is unfair, if I if I I feel some someone is not telling the truth, if I feel that someone doesn't say what he thinks and lying and these other things. And double, what is it called in Germany? We call it doppelmoral, means double morality. Can you, can you say yeah, that? Yeah, double you know standards, I, mean? I would say. One standard for yourself. Double standards. Yeah. You've often said you don't look back on, on the past, but how does that fit in with the release of this album and the extra tracks? Yeah, good question, good question. It's just that, that people like me always... You know, I had every record company firing me. Um, sometimes I want to be, it's, it has something to do with pride, you know what I mean? It's sometimes I want to show people like, hey, my material still, thanks to people like Craig Leon and Tony Visconti and stuff like that. It's It doesn't sound dated, you know what I mean? It's And I want to show to people that my work, after 30 years sounds you know it's it's not outdated you know it sounds fresh and it's time uh, it's timeless and some people that are still interested in, in in the work i've done it's a you know that's always like you're a bit proud of it and you're happy that someone releases it that's it you know like you mentioned the two tracks with peers uh, vocals that that, that uh, um, you've used. Um, 
what sort of experience was that for you, for someone who was, you know, in a relationship for many years with her? Um, did you have to talk to her again and deal with that? Or how was it a complete detachment? Uh, more or less a complete detachment. We are not friends anymore. So I had to ask one of my kids, um, can you contact her and allow, get the permission, you know, and although the lyrics were mine, but still, so she said yes. And I think she liked it as far as I've heard. And so, yeah, we were able to use it. Turn, turn it into. She hasn't heard it, heard it, you know what? But not yet. But do you, you see this as a solo album? No, no. It's a. It's a. Philip Bourne, the Voodoo Club is also always a solo album with a Voodoo Club. You know, the Voodoo Club can be producers, can be musicians, can be fans, can be people who work for me, which is. Friends, anyway, the people I'm surrounded with, also life and everything. It's like a bunch of, let's say, fifteen people, and they're loyal and they're always a bit, they're all a bit weird, you know, and a bit, you know, they're cool, you know, and that's it. And did that answer any? No, that didn't answer a question. Eh? Oh, it did because I asked whether it was a solo album, and you and you said no. So uh, solo, no, no, no. I'm so, so no. Um, I'm I'm not solo. No, no. I'm, I'm Filippo, and the Voodoo Club is always a solo album or never. You know, what I mean, this. Yeah. So there are two quotes on your website. One of them is the development of full artificial intelligence could spend the end of humankind or the human race, and that was Stephen Hawking. So have yeah. you tried? Uh, to use AI to write a Philip Boa song? No, I never tried it. I don't want to try it. Try it. I don't want to try it because I'm technically, digitally, you know, not very good, you know. <laughs> and the people around me, um, yeah, one or two could do that, could use that AI information, but I don't know. I Maybe I should try it one day. When I was at was at school, then we had to learn in in English lessons. We had to to read books like 1984 and 1984. Uh, that's that's a heavy influence, you know. And it was for boy and for other people. And. Now we are there, you know, it's just sometimes I'm a bit worried about it, you know, but I don't want to be frustrated about it. But here and there, I'd like to sing about it a bit, you know, and, and that I may be a bit afraid. And Stephen Hawk, Hawking must know, really, you know, I really like that guy. And, so, and he was also funny, you know, with and... I just I picked that up because sometimes that is it hits my my thoughts, you know. Then I wonder what you're going to think of this because I went in earlier and I wrote, "Give me three questions for Philip Boa," <laughs> and so I'm going to give you the three questions and see what you think. 
You've been making music for over 30 years. How has your creative process evolved over time and what keeps you motivated to continue creating? Good question, bad question? No, that's a good question. It's, it's like, like just, you know, in the COVID times, I was sitting there and I was reading and watching every series that was cool, you know, like five times. And then you sit there and said, I want to write a song. I want to go away from me and want to write a song and make, make me, you know, make me crazy, absolutely crazy that I couldn't write songs. It's just, and I, that made me find out that I, I like it. I lo just like creating music, you know, it's like, it's fun, you know. So, 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 so uh, things are simple sometimes. It's just fun and playing gigs and stuff like that. And talking about music and all that, it's just fun, you know. But the second question was, your lyrics often touch on themes of alienation, dystopia and social commentary. How do you see your role as an artist in reflecting and commenting on the world around us? Uh, minimal, you know. <laughs> I just have absolutely no influence on on anyone. It's, I don't know who wrote that, you know. I like that dystopia stuff and what they mean is like people, uh, books like Bleeding Edge by Thomas Pynchon and stuff like that, but I, I I don't think I have any influence on anything, you know. Okay, the third question, this is the last one, but I think this is one that, that I would never ask anyone. <laughs> Anyhow, you've been a part of the German music scene for decades. How do you see the current state of the industry and what advice would you give to up-and-coming musicians trying to make a name for themselves? Well, that's a bit of an evil question, you know, because... Mm, Let's say 15 years ago, I would have answered, just say no, you know, learn to say no. Nowadays, that option is too easy said, you know what I mean? Because the options shrinked a bit, you know, it's like, it's a bit unfair and arrogant to say that. So I see the German music scene as fresh as it ever, ever was, maybe even a little bit better than it was. And I would never give any lecture or advice to them because I'm from the 80s and 90s, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay, the other quote on your website is, a desk is a dangerous place from which to view the world. And that's from John, um, John Le Carre. Um, How dangerous is a mixing desk? And I see that as some somewhat <laughs> isolated in some way in terms of viewing the world. Um, what John Ekerim meant is that a lot of people write about stuff that they've never seen, that they've never experienced. You know, you cannot write about Libya if you haven't been in Libya. You know what I mean? As, a, as an example, well, I have been, you know. And the point is, a lot of writers really, or especially, my what? no, forget that one. A lot of people who write and criticize should really go there, you know and find out how it really is and not like looking into the bloody net and, and discover it by documentaries. No, they should go there, you know, and observe. That's what I meant. And that's what John Decare, the writer meant. A lot of people have no clue 
pretend they have clue, a clue. I don't know. Yeah. So is technology the ability for us to look at other places and experience them only from documentaries or only from the net actually making us more stupid? Well, uh, that's uh, drastic, yeah, but all I'm demanding is that they, before they talk about it or write about it, they should just see it, you know what I mean? And personally, with their own eyes. That's what I meant. With, on a lot of a lot of my songs, I I really went there, you know, and uh, and saw it. Yeah, but but um, that's not a, not necessarily about me, you know. Not everything is like what do you call it, auto autobiography, uh, you know that word. <laughs> Sorry, you know what I mean. Um, personal, you know. Sometimes the, the, my language is, is 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 a bit limited because I haven't been an English-speaking language for a longer time be, uh, uh, countries because of COVID and stuff. So sorry, I'm not trained enough at the moment. Yeah, I have the same thing. When I'm in when I'm in here in Germany, I'm English, and when I'm in England, for some reason now because I change the words around a little bit or come out with a German world word I'm European in some way so <laughs> so I get that completely that you you lose part of the language wherever you are um you're going to be going on to a I think at late summer is it yeah I think we start um end of September or something and then go on to we don't know we'll see and, we have uh, already played a lot of of, of shows but in terms of this um, album and these new tracks and so on, there'll be ones that you will take with you. Um, I mean, obviously you've done Boafenia tracks before, but this, this these new tracks, you will be taking those on tour and in front of an audience. And uh, and that's part of what you want to do in the future. Yeah, I think the next 10, 15, 20 shows or whatever, or more we're going to concentrate a bit on on the old Borfinia stuff and a couple of a couple of the news new songs, yeah. My final question: What happened to Paul, uh, um, the guy that worked in a club that relates to to um, uh, the container love and also uh, uh, love on sale? Whatever, what was the last word you ever heard about him? I lost track, but I know that he died, and I know there's even. Um, I don't know. He was, he was real. You know, he was speaking like that, or like I'm sing, singing, or telling the story in the container love one. He was talking like that. He was somewhere between reality and 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 you know what I mean, dreaming. You know, and he was a happy man, although he was jobless and all that, and he was a bit abused then later in the song love on sale he was a bit abused but then he was he was real you know he was a happy person with a very unhappy fate and he was handling and handling it quite well you know it's a it's a sad song but then in the in the in the chorus the container love chorus is is positive, you know what I mean? Because he was like that. He 
he managed his own fate, you know, quite well. I want to thank you for the interview, but I also want to thank you for um, your cultural input into the world, because I think artists are often not told. And, and I think that journalists or people who interview them, I don't really see myself as a massive journalist, but people who interview them should also show respect for what they've brought into the world. And certainly with Boafenia, you you had a massive uh, impact. So I want to thank you for that and wish you success with this wider uh, box set and uh, album. So Philip Boa, thank you very much. And thank you, Steve. Thank you. Right now at Safeway, get your skin winter ready with big savings on all your favorite skincare products. Shop for deals on items like Gillette Mach 3 razors, Gillette Labs razors and blades, Venus razors and blades, and native shampoo, conditioner, and body wash. Plus, shop the buy two, get one free baking event and save on items like selected varieties of handy foil and good cook pans. Offer expires December 26th. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for full offer details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.